Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Come on, ladies, you want to be at She Collective October 5th. Give it up for She Collective. It's uh, one of the great events that we do here, and it's uh, all specifically geared for our ladies. And so let me just tell you this, whether you are a lady here or not, there is a lady in your life that needs to be at She Collective. It is one of the more transformative events that we do that's geared about around helping women gather for a purpose. And then it's a great connection into our women's connect groups that take place just a few weeks after the event, so you don't want to miss out. You can text the word SHE to the number that's on the screen and the number that all of you have saved, and uh, that'll give you all the insight that you need, all the information to how to register and sign up and pay for that. I think it's very, very inexpensive, just $3,482 per person, so it's super, no, it's five bucks per person, so you can come on out and hang out. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. Were you guys ready to dive into the Word today. Awesome, awesome. Thank you to the two of you. I'm excited. I, I've, I'm excited about this message. This is something that God kind of put on my heart months and months ago, and uh, I actually had the privilege of speaking this message at a different church before I even brought it here, so this is refined, so it should be even better now. And uh, when I originally did it, it was only five points, but because it's our sixth anniversary, I thought, why not make it six points? Is that cool? And I'm going to do this in 33 minutes and 52 seconds, so you guys are blessed. So make sure you laugh loud, amen loud. Even if you don't like it, just say it. It'll help me preach better because we all know you're here for tacos and not for me. So I'm excited about the six thoughts that I have for you today. Six thoughts that I have for you today. And here's my encouragement. At any point today, at any time in this message, I give you permission to disengage. If something comes up while I'm speaking that God just kind of goes, hey, that's for you. You, you don't have to listen anymore. I would encourage you, as always, to take notes with us. In fact, you can text the word notes to the number on our screen. It'll give you my notes directly uploaded to your phone. And, and I've got six different points that I don't believe every point will appeal to every person in here. But I do feel that one point will particularly connect with you individually. So when that happens, you can disengage. Because I believe that's God saying, hey, this moment is for you. And my hope is that every one of us will leave here encouraged and challenged, but also perhaps a little frustrated. Because my hope is never just to make you feel good about life, but my hope is to help you take your next step in your spiritual journey. And here's the truth. Whether you believe this or not, every single person in this room right now is on a spiritual journey. Even if you're here and you say, I don't believe in this stuff. Somebody dragged me because they said there's free tacos. That's okay. In fact, I want to encourage you permission to belong before you believe. I've always dreamt of and hoped to be a part of a church where we had people in attendance who believe in the living God and those that aren't sure what they believe. That's what we exist for. But here's what I would ask of you. That you would just open your hearts and your ears to the possibilities of what God wants to do and what God can do. And I believe if we'll all do that, every single one of us will leave here today changed. Can we pray? Is that cool? Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, nobody moving. Let me just pray for us today. God, I just thank you that you're already here. 
Lord, we're so honored and grateful for six years of your faithfulness. Lord, truthfully, we didn't think we'd be here after six weeks, but here we are. And God, to see and to know the things that you have done over the last six years is pretty spectacular. But what I I love about you most, God, is that you're not finished yet. You've only started in many of our lives and so many of us have barely scratched the surface of the things that you have for us. That the best is yet to come. So we don't want to miss the moment right here and right now. We don't want to take it for granted. We don't want to punch the church clock. But we open our ears and our heart to hear and receive anything and everything that you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Man, I hope you're excited. I hope you came ready to learn. Six things, six thoughts that I have for you today. Let's see. Now I have 30 30 minutes and 19 seconds. Let's see how we can do this. Are you ready? So please write these down. When I see you writing them down, I, I preach better. So number one, my first point for you, my first thought for you today is that God is for you, not against you. God is for you, not against you. Now, all of us in this room, regardless of your faith background and your heritage, you actually have a mental blueprint for God and church. In fact, before you came to the movement church for the very first time, you had an expectation of what you thought was going to take place. And for many of us, that blueprint can be a good thing. Perhaps your experience with church over the past few weeks, months, or years, maybe decades of your life, that blueprint is a good thing. You have great memories associated with church, great memories and experiences associated with how God works in your life. But for others, and perhaps even many of us, that blueprint may be based on not so great experiences, times and moments or services or conversations where we just... Our expectation and our hope of what God was going to do, or maybe what God's people should have done, failed to meet those expectations. And the problem is, is that we take the actions of other people and we carbon copy it onto the heart of God. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not, because uh, some of you are, are probably too young, but before we had Venmo and Apple Pay, how many of you use Venmo? Can I see your hand up? Okay, you're my people. If you aren't on Venmo, get with the program. Venmo and Apple Pay, before you could hold your cell phone up where you're watching, bling, pay for things, right? When, when we, we just started out with credit cards, they had this carbon copy machine. How many of you remember this thing? And they would put your card down on this metal slider th- thing, and then they would put these pieces of paper that had three or four different papers on it, and they had to actually take a pen. Do y'all remember pens? And they would write the amount that you paid for and the item that you paid for, set it on top of your credit card and then go, how many remember these guys? Yes. And if they were new to this machine, they would always inevitably wrinkle the paper and start over. It was a 45 minute process. And here's the problem. Many of us are carbon copying the actions of so-called or supposed Christians onto the heart of God. So-and-so failed me, so I assume God is going to fail me also. That was funnier than you just chuckled, by the way. 
So-and-so gave up on me. I hope that rings in your mind for the rest of the week. So I, I feel it's safe to assume that God is probably also going to give up on me. Every male role model in my life from a father or a pastor or a teacher or a coach, they seem to only point out the negative traits and the faults in my life. And now as a direct reflection, I, I end up assuming that God is just waiting for me to screw up, just like everyone else in my life. Let me show you God's heart for you. It's probably one of the most read passages of Scripture, and rightfully so. It's found in Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11, and I'm reading from the message paraphrase, and I feel like for some of you today, this is for you. Look at how this reads. I, I know what I'm doing. This is God speaking. I've got it all planned out, plans to take care of you and not to abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. Look at this. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. And when you come looking for me, and I feel like this needs to be underlined and highlighted in your Bible. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Some of you in this room need to be reminded that God is for you, not against you. He's saying, I love you and I'm for you. This is God's heart towards you. And you, you might have even walked in here reluctantly today because you think that you are the summation of your past. But nope, God has a future for you, but not just a future. He's got a hope, which means it's a future that you can actually accomplish. You can actually accomplish it. In fact, it's God's design on your life. It's not a future that's unattainable. And here's the great news about God. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love, and there's nothing you can do to keep God's love. He says this is a free gift for you. So here's the question for you today. What is keeping you? What is keeping you from God? Perhaps today is... Today is the day to actually let go and allow God to do and begin the journey with you. Number one, God is for you, not against you. Number two, are you ready? There is more. Number two, there is more. Listen to me. Don't limit your spiritual journey to a Sunday experience or a spiritual bailout. I mean, I see this all the time, time and time again, as we limit our spiritual journey to Sunday mornings. We fragment, compartmentalize God into our life for an hour and 15 minutes, depending on how long the preacher preaches, or in a spiritual bailout when I actually feel like I need him. I think some of us need to stop treating Jesus like a spare tire. He's just in the trunk in case I get a flat. And then I'll pull over and put the spare on, and then I'll drive to safety, and then I'll replace it with what I feel makes me more secure. And in that moment, back in the trunk he goes until I need him again. And we limit his involvement in our lives. Think about this for a moment. We limit the involvement of the creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who spoke and there was light. We limit his involvement in our life to menial fractional moments. And there's so much more to God than you could ever 
possibly imagine. And, and he desperately desires and wants to be part of your life. Like that's his hope for you is not just to be some distant, apathetic God, but he desperately wants to be part of your life. Look at what Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. And this is right from the message paraphrase today. Look at this. It says, God can do anything, you know. He can do anything, anything, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does this not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Imagine for a moment your best life like the hopes and the dreams that you have. And maybe for some of us, it's been too long since we had a hope and a dream for the future. But imagine the marriage that you've always wanted, the kids, the family, the house, the career, the job, the friends. Imagine the greatest scheme, the greatest dreams you could possibly ever have. And you need to know that God's future and hope for you far surpasses that. It would blow your mind. It goes beyond your wildest dreams. But we get stuck living and building a life that only we can imagine. And we limit the fullness of the scope of who God is to what we can dream up. And God's going, man, I have more for you. Why are you trying to be the creative engineer here? Let me take care of that because I've always got more for you. Those of you that are new here, um, my wife and I, we've been married for a long time, even though I, I'm extremely young and she's climbing in age, but it's okay. We'll, we'll pray for her. And we, got, we grew up in the South and in the South, you graduate high school and like, hey, you need to get married. So we did. And uh, I was 20 and she was 47 and it was kind of awkward then, but it's cool now <laughs> every week. Happy anniversary, babe. So we had two kids. I've got a 14-year-old who's a freshman in high school, which definitely makes me feel old. And I've got a nine-year-old who's in fourth grade. And when our oldest turned 13, I wanted to take her on a coming-of-age date, like welcoming her to adulthood and to being a woman. And, and, and I asked her, I said, hey, listen, I want to take you on a very special date. I want to take you out just to show you how much I love you and value you. And I, where would you like to go, babe? And, and she said, I don't know, in and out and, and, and part of me was proud of her. Part of me was very proud of her. And the other part of me was a little bit disappointed. I said, no, 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 I don't think you understand. And so I put all the plans together. We bought her a dress, let her go shopping with her mom. She bought a dress, and we got her nails did, which is the appropriate way to say that. We went, got, sent her to the Monarch Hotel, and she had a blowout done on her hair. And, man, I made reservations for Watermark in Laguna. If you've never been, you need to go. And... Man, I pulled up to the car, the car detailed, and went and walked and got her and brought her out to the car and had the reservations. In fact, people thought I was a creeper and thought she was my date. <laughs> True story. The waiter asked her if she'd like a wine menu, and I punched him in his throat, but we'll move on from there. I, I did that for her because I wanted to be the benchmark for any freaking joker who tried to come along in the future and date her. Can I get an amen from some dads in here? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be the benchmark, right? I wanted to be the standard for her. And I also wanted to remind her, listen to me, that her potential is ginormous. Now, just imagine if she had planned the date instead of allowing her father to do so. 
And so many of us live our lives like that. We have hopes and dreams for in and out. But God's got some, some of y'all are like, that sounds perfect. Okay. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> With God, there's always more. There's always more. But here's the kicker. And I say this as often as I can because I feel like often I have to detox. Due to that blueprint, I feel like I have to detox some, some people's mentality about God. He never forces himself on you. Ever. He just says, hey, I'm here. And I have so much more for you. In the plans that I have, the dreams that I have for you, far surpass your greatest and wildest dreams. But you have to run after it. I'm not going to make you. So why, when it comes to our spiritual journey, have we settled for being spiritually average? Nowhere else in our life do we settle for being average. You don't tell your, your ninth grader, hey, do okay in school this year. You track on me? Why have we settled for spiritual average in our faith? Why do we feel like it's a pastor's job to grow our faith? Like my faith is dependent upon the enormity and the amazingness of the sermon that he preaches for 36 minutes. And that should help me coast for seven days. The pastor's role is just to be a spiritual tour guide, to help connect the dots. But you and I need to know there's more to God than you could possibly imagine. So dive in and grow your faith. I'm going to give you four secrets right here, right now. These are going to be so quick. Honestly, these are the, the, the quintessential. These are, if you write these down and focus here, it will change your life forever. I mean that. This is not a sales pitch. This is not an infomercial. This is not about sham wow or anything else like that. <laughs> this is true. I'm going to give you these four things so quick. We're going to move on because I have 18 minutes and one second. Are you ready? Four things to grow your faith. Number one. Daily prayer, a prayer, pray a prayer of surrender. Every day, God, here's my life. And today I give it to you. I need you. Every day. And then step read, four out of seven days of the week. We've set up a Bible reading plan on our website. It says read the Bible on the front page. Step read, four out of seven days. Statistically, Something shifts when the majority of my days I spend time in the Word, even if it's averse, because the nature of God is doing a work in my heart. Number three, join a faith-challenging connect group. Not just a group that has fun, but join a group that challenges your faith. And number three, jump on the dream team. Why? Because you need to be walking in purpose. I mean, literally, I could stop preaching right now. If you do that for the rest of your life, you won't even understand what God does in your world. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 6, and the message paraphrase, it says this. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness that you feel, it comes from within you. Your lives aren't small. You're just living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. God is for you, not against you. With God, there is always more. Number three, trust God with everything. Everybody say everything. everything. But I want you to pay attention to the dot, 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 because we're going to circle back to this in a minute. Trust God with everything, dot, dot, dot. 
First, I want to talk to those of you who say, man, I'm a Christ follower. If you're here and you're not sure what you believe, permission to belong before you believe. But if you're here and you say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, then you need to know that following God and trusting him with everything are synonymous. You can't separate and differentiate the two. To follow God means that I need to trust him with everything. For early Christians, in the early church, in the first century church, just after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, when someone would belong to the way or say, I'm a follower of Jesus, the real shift took place at baptism is when they made a public declaration of an inward change. And for many, it could mean losing everything, being ostracized and isolated. It could even mean death. Many early Christians were persecuted to death. And so when they said, I am a follower of Jesus, they meant I'm trusting him with everything that I have because I might actually lose everything. You and I don't face those challenges today. And now I fear that becoming a follower of Jesus is more synonymous with a marriage badge, merit badge that we wear with pride. Look at me, I'm a Christian. (laughs) And all it does is communicate an information exchange rather than actual transformation. You see, when I fully trust God, transformation takes place. Why? Because he owns my heart. I mean, owns it. He drives the decisions that I'm making. It means I give him permission to point out things that I need to change in my life. I give him permission instead of telling him when I need him. I look to God for guidance on decisions, interactions, and challenges. And transformation is taking place in the process. Why? Because God owns my heart. Do you know the scripture indicates one area specifically where we know that God owns our heart? This is going to be a little bit painful for some of us today. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Which brings me back to the dot, dot, dot. Trust God with everything, including your finances. Following God and trusting him with everything are absolutely fundamentally synonymous. And some of you have been trying to convince yourself that you trust God, but you're lying to yourself. And it's time to trust God with everything, including your finances, which means for some of us in this room, it's time to start tithing. 10% of my income. Why? Because I'm trusting that God can do more with my 90% than I can do with 100%. In fact, it's the only time in Scripture where God says, Hey, put me to the test. I double-dog dare you. (laughs) See that I won't blow your mind with how faithful I am. So trust God with everything, including our finances. And some of us need to trust God with everything, including our heart. Stop giving God a portion or closing off a portion of our heart to God. He wants to do infinitely beyond what we can imagine, and we're just giving him a portion, or we're we're going to God with contingencies and ultimatums. God, I'll follow you as long as you don't ask me to do this or ask me to stop doing that. And some, some of us in this room needed to say, okay, God, I'm giving you everything. My weaknesses and my strengths, every component. Trust God with everything, including your finances, including your heart, but also including your future. Some of us in this room are still hustling for our worth. Listen, he's got this. He's got your future planned out, and it's better than what you could plan. God is for you, not against you. There is more. 
Trust God with everything. Number four, fill the gap with hope and grace. Fill the gap with hope and grace. I'm going to explain what that means. You know, the greatest disruption to a move of God is the people of God. The greatest disruption to what God wants to do often is the people of God. Why? Because we get frustrated with each other and angry with each other or disgruntled with each other or bitter towards one another or jealous of one another. And we get so focused on what he said or what she said or what they didn't say or whether they liked my picture on Instagram or why wasn't I invited to that party. It's a real deal. And we get so frustrated with each other and, and we get so focused on what they did or did not do. And then we end up in, uh, inadvertently shifting what God's trying to do within the church. And Jesus is like, hey, bro, stop worrying about your brother and your sister and take care of your own issues. You got issues. And if you don't think you have issues, that's your issue. Here's the problem. When we have an expectation of what someone should do, how they should act, what they should be, their relationship with me, this is my expectation of how they should respond to a phone call or how they should be there for me when times are tough. But all too often, my experience doesn't match my expectation. So what I wanted to take place didn't take place. And now there's a gap between my expectation and my experience. We walked down the aisle. We made vows to have and to hold each other until death do us part, forsaking all others. But now, eight years later, 15 years later, he didn't hold true to that vow. There's a gap. You said you'd be my friend, and and we hung out, and you said you would be real and authentic, and then all of a sudden I hear you're talking about me behind my back. There is a gap, and here's the kicker. You and I choose what we fill this gap with. You and I choose. Not our emotions, not someone else's actions. We choose what we fill this gap with. And the problem is so many of us are hardwired to fill this gap with suspicion or frustration or doubt or anger or silence or bitterness. And all it does is it drives a wedge further and further in the relationships that God intricately ordained for you and I to have. And my encouragement for you today is just to choose to fill this gap with grace and hope and faith and love. Are you tracking with me? Do you know why? Because Jesus fills that gap with you and me over and over again with grace. Jesus said, I died that you could have life and life more abundantly. I would love for you to make great choices and to live according to the word of God and to be who I've called you to be. But I don't know about you, but me, you know what I do sometimes? I live how I want to live. Anybody else guilty of that? The rest of you are liars. We're praying for you. And so Jesus goes, oh, you know what? It's okay. My grace is sufficient. I still have more for you. I still have a great plan for you. I still have a hope and a future for you. I'm going to choose every time relentlessly to fill that gap with grace. 
We read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when, when the word outlines exactly what love should be like. And I love the passion paraphrase. It says this, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all, consistently filling the gap with kindness. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Ooh, that one hurts a little bit. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up God is for you not against you there is more trust God with everything fill the gap with hope and grace number five you are part of the search party you are part of the search party God is searching we sang a song about this today for people in fact, when Jesus was on the earth, he didn't come just to teach great things or even to heal the sick or cast out demons. Jesus came, the Bible says, to seek and to save the lost. And he didn't change the family business. He's still searching. Only now he has new ambassadors. And it's you. Well, Pastor Kerry, wait, you're the preacher. I thought I was supposed to be you. No, 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 no. I'm an ambassador too, but so are you. We're the ambassadors. And he is aggressively looking for, actively looking for the one. The one who's not here yet. I mean, he's stoked and he, he loves the fact that the people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, gather in a theater at El Toro High School and sing songs of worship and praise and adoration. Oh, man, he gets jacked about that. He's like, oh, those are my kids. But at the same time, simultaneously, he's distracted by the people all around the building who are not here yet, hopelessly aiming at the future, just desperate to know that there's something worth living for, desperate to know that there's someone who believes in me and sees the potential in me and someone to say, hey, here's a way to find health and healing in your marriage. Here's a way to live with purpose and with destiny. And he has created and handcrafted ambassadors, and you are one of them. And I think the enemy works so well. His, his creative design is to get you and me thinking, oh, it's probably someone else who's a part of the search party. I don't know if I can do this. I don't, I'm not perfect yet. I don't have this figured out yet. And what about if I, I'm on the search party, but people realize, man, I'm still a little bit lost. Can I get an amen from some people who feel that sometimes? Thank you. But you're part of the search party. Who's not here yet? Look at me in the eyes. Who's not? Which one of your coworkers and your neighbors and your family members and your friends need to be here? Here's a question worth asking yourself. Whose life are you investing in for the purpose of getting them to Jesus and to his church? I mean strategically investing in. 
like building a relationship for the purpose of, man, I want to help them find Jesus and get him to my church. Whose lives are you investing in? Not, not me. You. Who's not here yet? I've got a, a friend who is a pastor in a different area of the country, and he's got a lot of kids, six kids. God bless him. And his youngest is severely autistic. And he was on a vacation with his family. They would go on a ski trip every year. They were kind of in between ski runs, and they were in the little village and went to Starbucks, because Jesus lives at Starbucks, and Elisimo. Happy anniversary. They're all in there getting their drink, and the youngest son went in to use the restroom. They were finished getting their beverages, and when you have six kids, it's hard to keep tabs on how many are with you still. And they left Starbucks, and they all turned right. Little did they know that the youngest son was still in the restroom. He comes out and doesn't see the family. As you can imagine, panics, exits Starbucks, and turns left. 30 minutes pass, and they realize we've lost our son. The father goes immediately into DEFCON 1. All right, you're going to go north, and you're going to go south. You're going to go east, and you're going to go west. And you know what? You, it's a good thing you had a lot of kids at this point. <laughs> you're going to go talk to the authorities. You're going to go find out, and hey, listen, babe, you go back to Starbucks and see if anyone saw my son who's lost. And can you imagine if the oldest son at that point had come back and said, listen, it's been a long break. It's time to hit the slopes again. What are we having for dinner, Dad? No, <laughs> shut your mouth. We got one mission right now, to find my son who's lost. And hey, that's the heart of God for Orange County. And you and I are part of this search party. You are a part of it. And we have a mission, and it's a critical mission. That's to find any and every person in our world, not, not just random people, the ones that you already know, the ones you already have relationships with, the ones you already see on a daily basis, and we just have a mission to help them find Jesus and find his church. You are a part of the search party. So who's not here yet? And what are you doing with your life right now to strategically invest in the people in your world with the hope of helping them find Jesus and his church? Can I get an amen? amen. Point number six. This is my last and final point. Today, God may be searching for you. There are some people who are here today who haven't begun a relationship with Jesus yet. There's a starting point to this journey of faith. It's not church membership. It's not getting everything perfect. Isn't that encouraging? But it's just saying yes to Jesus. And what you don't even realize is that God's been working behind the scenes even to get you here for this moment because today he's searching for you. You're the one. You're the one in 99. In fact, he doesn't care about anybody else in this moment, but just you. That's not true. He cares about everyone here. But he's highlighting your life. 
And he said, this moment is for you. And if that's you in a moment, I want to give you a chance to begin that journey with him. With no embarrassment to you. You don't have to get out of your seat. Nobody has to know. But don't let this moment pass without recognizing that the creator of the heavens and earth orchestrated your life for this moment to begin a journey where you can walk in the fullness of God's purpose and plan for you. You might be the one. And some of us in this room today, you've been running from God. Maybe you had a moment like this, but it's been a, it's been a minute. And the things that have transpired in your life between now and then are not reflective of the fact that God owns your heart and today is the day to come running back. Here's what I want to ask. With everyone quietly and reverently staying right where you're at, no one moving around, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today and you've never made this decision with no embarrassment to you, I just want you to begin the journey. And it might be a, a moment for you that happens with the, the quietness of your own heart or a small whisper. But in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I just want you to simply repeat it after me. And if you're here today and you've been running from God and you need to make some adjustments, that today is a day to come running back, I want to pray for you right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If that's you, in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. And I know that you love me. That you have more for me. That you have a hope and a future for me. But God, I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And now make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that you're a good and a faithful God. We thank you that no matter what we walk through, no matter what we've seen, no matter what our blueprint is, no matter the pain that we've experienced, we know that you still have a hope and a future for us. We know that with you, there is always more. God, we're gonna trust you with everything. God, we're gonna fill the gap with hope and grace. And we're gonna recognize, God, that we're a part of the search party. So we thank you for the privilege it is to be called children of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.